Hey everyone, this is Brandon Shields. Today is Friday, May 15th, 2020. On the podcast, I have with me my friend, Jamal Williams, also uh, a fellow board member of Surgeon Network, a uh, group of churches, and uh, is a pastor of uh, Sojourn Midtown in my hometown of Louisville, Kentucky. Um, so, Jamal, man, so good to have you on here with me. Uh, I know I was talking with uh, you a couple days ago and talking with some of our folks yesterday just about the heaviness of this time that we're living in, man. We've got the pandemic going on and all of that. And then on top of that, man, like so much racial strife and tension and violence that's happening. Uh, we had the video from Ahmaud Arbery surface here in the last couple of weeks, and it's been so traumatizing to watch that. And then I know even in your own city – uh, in Louisville, yep. Brianna Taylor, a young lady, was shot by a, a police apparently breaking into her home and thinking that she was somebody else, and she was shot and killed, a young lady uh, yep. there in your community. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really just curious to hear kind of how you're processing all of this. I know this is nothing new, and I know we've had a lot of conversations about this, but it does have it does feel a little bit different in this moment, um, given everything else that's going on. So, yeah, man, what's going on in your head and heart as you're kind of thinking through all this? Yeah, man. Well, first, thanks, uh, Pastor, for the this opportunity to talk to you and what's up, Soma Church, Soma Church, I should say. Uh, it's good to be before y'all again and just to uh, to chop it up and to talk about these uh, important and heavy issues. Uh, I think the pandemic, as you said, is just heavy enough, and to uh, put this on top of everything that everyone is experiencing um, is heavy for 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 everyone. And I don't just think that's just for uh, my black and brown brothers. I think that's for anyone that's here uh, that has a, a heartbeat for for mercy, compassion, and justice. And so for me, man, it has been uh, a, a very heavy two weeks uh, with Ahmad Arbery, honestly, when the video came out and I had a bunch of people send it to me. It took me about three days just to emotionally dive into it. Um, I didn't read about it. I intentionally, like, avoided it because at the time with the pandemic, um, it was just enough. With pastoring, trying to figure out reopening, trying to shepherd our people through a number of significant things. And then once I, I looked at it, man, my heart was just absolutely broken. And so we, as a church, uh, you know, did a, a small event and uh, reached out to our, our members in a number of just specific ways. But to put on top of that, um, uh, this the EMT uh, woman, Brianna Taylor, who was uh, shot in her own home at 2 a.m., uh, not only was a mistaken identification, but it was the wrong house. And uh, the city of Louisville apparently just didn't address it for two months. Uh, man, that's, that happened, and that became, uh, uh, you know, came across my, my kind of uh, attention on Monday. And, again, it took me until Wednesday to really be able to take some deep breaths and actually look into it. And uh, and today I'm spending some time just thinking about how to shepherd our people through action and not just simply lament. But it's heavy. Mm-hmm. It's very heavy. And it's heavy not only because this happens, but for black and brown people uh, and people who are people of compassion, it just points us back to just the ongoing history of this country of uh, – uh, black lives and 
uh, being kind of dispensable. And mm. if there's no tape and no uh, public evidence, um, it, it just gets swept under the rug. And this family would have just been suffering in silence had not um, some national figures heard about it and, and put it on blast. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. Like a couple of things you said there that really stand out to me, just the delay of like, I, and I'm curious kind of how that, what that looks for you, looks like for you practically, because we get these videos that videos will come out, you know, almost yeah. every month, it seems like there's a significant one that is released on social media. And how do you kind of like personally discern uh, like what's, what you're going to give your heart's attention to because there's so yep. much injustice. Um, yeah. People are probably sending you things, you know, I hear you saying, man, it takes me like a couple of days and I have to really enter into yep. this. Like what does that entering into process look like for you? And how do you, how do you just keep from being totally overwhelmed as, yep. as a human being, as a leader? You know what I mean? You've got multiple lenses that you're kind of looking at this through. Yeah, man, that's a great question, Pastor. And this is something just to be completely transparent and vulnerable. I'm talking with, with people all the time, and I don't think that this is the right answer for anything. This may just show weakness in me, you know. Um, but specifically during this pandemic and, and other times, man, when stuff happens, um, you know, I normally will read the headlines, get a general understanding of it before doing a deeper dive, and especially before watching a, a video, just because for my own emotional health, I want to make sure that I am entering into whatever has happened uh, in a way in which I'm going to be able to leave from the inside out and not be react just reactionary. Um, and and uh, because every word that, that I say as a leader of a, of a majority white church that, that has grown to be multi-ethnic and a church that is kind of uh, has a significant role here in Louisville, uh, if I come lash out in uh, uh, uninformed anger, um, it's going to have repercussions, and it could actually slow down the justice call. So mm -hmm. that's a that's a weight and maybe a responsibility I take on myself uh, a little heavy, a little more heavy than I, I may need to. But normally, what that means, and sometimes I respond the same day if I have the space, right? Depending mm -hmm. on what's on my calendar, type of meetings, uh, if I got a shepherding case that day, if I'm, you know, whatever it is. Um, and I kind of just slow down, um, make sure I, I just have a good time to word, pray, look at it, and then think about where we are as a church. There's been seasons where we've just been justice, 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 and for whatever reason, something will happen, and we'll say it because we feel like it needs to be heard because it's going on. You know, we've been really hammering that in. Or there's times where we won't because we've just been overemphasizing it so much till we know that our people are going to respond automatically in a healthy way because we because of where we are in that season. And the mm -hmm. season that we were in with uh, Ahmaud Arbery, it had been, because of the pandemic and the months before, um, you know, we just hadn't really put a whole lot of emphasis uh, on that and just from what we were preaching through in Scripture. So I thought through that, like, hey, this is important for us to speak up on. It's been, it's been a few months before we, since we've really had to, you know, disengage and speak up on this, and and uh, and we need to do it. Uh, so I, I try to be as informed as I can to make sure whenever I speak up, I'm asked questions, I can give a good perspective. But regardless of the situation, I try to teach people just to lament and weep. And, like, mm -hmm. even if something comes out that this was somehow legal or right, 
um, which in Ahmad Arbery's case, I don't see a possibility for that to be the case. Um, I do just want to teach people this grief and use the moment not just to grieve what has just happened, but just what has happened since the beginning of this nation. Mm. Yeah, so it's an opportunity to retell that larger story. Because <clears throat> again, and it might be helpful to give a little bit of context of where you're ministering, so people yeah, know. Yeah. It's, you know, it's you're. Yeah. It's it's not. It's a very unusual situation where you find yourself in a lot of ways. So different yeah. than maybe other people. Different than Soma for sure. But you know, with, yeah. give a little context on your community just so people know when you say we have to yeah. retell the story. Like there's a reason why. Yeah. Yeah, it's a reason why, man. So uh, Sojourn is uh, 20 years old this year. Uh, it is a uh, church that moved into the inner city of uh, Shelby Park. It was uh, originally a mission to the kind of arts, uh, artistic part of the city in the Highlands. And so it was all white when it started and it remained that way for the majority of the church's history. Uh, before I came on, four and a half years ago, there was only one other minority, an Asian brother, who had been on staff. Uh, in the 20-year history, right? But we're in a, a area that is very diverse. And so, uh, and we pull from just a, a lot of different demographics, even though it was majority white, you got the kind of hipster culture, you've got the, the more, uh, the, the business culture, you've got the artsy community. So you got a mix of communities, but most of them, though they were um, known in a city amongst white the photo uh, use evangelical churches as um, um, as white evangelical churches as a very compassionate church and neighborhood centered church. Um, they really hadn't discovered uh, the topic of race uh, for that long before I came. Yeah. And so discipling our people into that, um, and then I'm a black pastor of a church that has made some dramatic changes. You know, I think we have maybe 20 part-time, full-time people on staff, and uh, whereas only just me and another Asian brother in the last few years, we have eight other minorities. So, so we've grown significantly quickly in that in that way, but uh, there's still a lot of just discipling to do and educating people um, on how how this feels. So this week, you know, I put out a little lament video in which I just talked for like three minutes, and we did the Lord's prayer together. Um, and we sang a song, and via email, I just sent resources to people. And I was just expecting that to stay in-house, but um, it really touched people, and I haven't gotten a lot of uh, pushback. And a large part of it is just because in the video, one take, I just didn't plan on what I was going to say. I just got up there and spoke from the heart. I just shared, like, um, three-fourths of my experience um, in America as a black man, and uh, some of the more traumatic moments of my life. And I got so many people that reached out to me who just didn't know that, you know, this pastor that they love and that they've journeyed with now for almost five years had been pulled over before for driving suspiciously multiple times, had been uh, pulled over, asked to step out of a car and frisked, and, uh, and had my wife just humiliated as another officer was um, this asking her was she was I holding her against her will and they didn't give any reason for why the stop happened and it just sped off, right? Um and I just told them some other humiliating stories, uh, about checking into hotels and being mistreated in front of my family and just dehumanized or or whatever. And uh and that seemed to really resonate with people. So just trying to help them to see like when I see that video, 
it just reminds me that, man, that could really be me. Yeah. And that can be um, any black brother. <clears throat> and not police officers or uh, everyone is inherently evil or racist, but because some people are. Um, and some people, um, you know, are, we're all sinners, and some people sin in that way. And uh, and that's just an issue here in this country. And honestly, yeah. it's an issue across across the world. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's <clears throat> that's hard for a lot of uh particularly white people who that they don't have to think that way. You know, they don't yeah. they don't have to think that could be me. Um, you know, it's it's an interesting place to be in for me as a, a white man who has a biracial daughter. I think yeah. I'm in these two worlds of like I I don't walk around thinking like that most of the time. And yet I have a yeah. daughter who could be Breonna Taylor, you know. Um, yep. and could be could something like that could be a reality for her that she will have to walk and she will have to navigate and one of our members yeah. said yesterday you know, it's just like interesting like he's a he's a guy who played football in college big uh big guy african american guy and he's like I, I run around at night and people yep. don't, I'm, I, people don't have context for me you know they yeah. don't know that yeah. i'm a father they don't know that i'm involved in the yeah. community that i'm a christian they don't they don't know anything about me all they see yeah. is this kind of caricature, this type, you know, and it's just a, it's a a really, I think it's really a powerful thing to remember is like, we all have a story and we all have a history with this and, Mm -hmm. and being able to acknowledge and even ask those questions like, Hey man, what is your story? You know, and where are you coming from with this? And what's the context in which you're living? I mean, what a powerful uh, piece of advice I think for leaders, you know, as they're seeking to engage is don't, don't just go into attack mode or, start unpacking yeah. theology or philosophy or even history first, yes. but just tell your story, you know? Just listen. Just listen. Yeah. yeah, man. I, yeah. Um, you know, I remember it was about two years ago here at the church. Uh, I was working late one night and I didn't realize that the alarm came on as early as it did. Um, and it was pretty late. It was like 1030. I was in school at the time, finishing up a degree and, um, and, and the alarm goes off and I'm only three blocks away from, the church building, but I like freaked out and I called our security guy and I'm like, what's the code? Da, da, da. And he's like, man, calm down. And I'm like, Hey, I'm leaving. I don't have time to put it in. I'm gone. And I remember him joking like, man, what? Like, man, you okay? Like what's going on? I'm like, bro, a black man in this nice office building mm-hmm. <laughs> um, at 10 o'clock at night, even though mm-hmm. I work here, if a cop is around the corner, uh, I was I was terrified, like, and not because again, police officers. Some of my best friends are police officers. Seriously, um, I'm, I'm close with some sheriffs here in Louisville. Um, we've got police officers here, and I respect them, and I love what they do. So, hear what I'm saying. Um, but I also know that they have a, a hard job. Many of them work in areas where they fear for their life late at night because they don't know yep. the situation they're walking into, right? Yep. And um, and I just know that in a matter, a split moment, if I move the wrong way or if they don't have context, like you said, things can go wrong quickly. Yeah. And, man, I was, I was sh- like, visibly, like, just shaking, you know, like trying to get mm. out uh, yeah. to, to get out of this area. Um, and so that's just something that, you know, white brothers and sisters, uh, I know, don't experience. And so when things like Ahmaud Arbery happens or things like that happen in your city, the best thing to do is just to just try to be humble, I think, um, and just pause and, and just listen. 
and just say, man, I'm going to, I don't understand, I'm going to learn, and I'm just going to move towards this brother in love without judgment. That's really healing. And yeah. then go on a, on a learning uh, journey yourself. And then as minorities, too, is to, um, to be, be honest, be, be compassionate, be patient, um, and to make sure we're living from the inside out so that we don't have a, a constant reactive presence where when people who are genuine and who may be on a journey themselves uh, are trying to understand, well, we just don't bite them, you know. Yeah, so, yeah I'm interested to hear what, you, what advice do you have for minority leaders in predominantly white churches? Because I think that it's a really hard space because I think particularly churches like ours who are down with justice and reconciliation and who are trying to be helpful – um, yeah. they're just going to be coming at you, you know, they're going to be, and I mean, in a good way, like trying to reach out or trying to figure out how to, how to help. And how do yeah. you prepare, how would you encourage, um, yeah. uh, there's a, there's a phrase and I'll let you use it. Cause I thought it was so good, um, yeah. That, yeah. that you have for minorities in majority yeah. culture yeah. spaces, but share a little about yeah. that. And then just like, how would you encourage people to be, yeah. uh, preparing themselves for the kind of onslaught of communication and expectation that comes in times like these? Yeah. Yeah, so the the phrase is "estranged pioneers." It's a phrase that's used by uh, Corey Edwards, who is a, uh, a sociologist, and she works with Christian communities and understand race. And she basically makes the argument that uh, Black, Brown, and Asian leaders in majority white spaces, uh, when she did some qualitative, uh, detailed qualitative work of, about these uh, people in these spaces across the U.S., she says the same language is used from them that is used from uh, third culture kids, American kids that grew up on the mission field who have to return home and the stress that they're in and how they feel like they don't belong. And so she says that the, 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 the same language is there, this alienation, they feel estranged, they feel like they don't have a home. And uh, and she calls them pioneers, right, because this is kind of the first time in American history, really, where you see this happening more and more. And so, man, honestly, I think in order to do this work, at, at one, it has to be a call. Uh, everybody's not called to it. Uh, everybody's not called to, to, to be a black or brown person in white spaces. And so, um, two is... You know, you just have to be true to who God has made you. And when you find yourself fearing or feeling like you're speaking up because you have to, um, uh, to appease either audience, maybe it's black and brown people or maybe it's white people, just remind yourself that you're not the Savior. It's not, it doesn't all depend upon you. And, again, uh, have a game plan in place and just walk with the Lord to know now is the time to speak. Um mm-hmm. And I hate to over-spiritualize the answer, but that has been the most helpful thing to me. Like even this week after uh, this situation happened here in Louisville. So we just get over that. The email goes out. on From Monday to Wednesday, I'm absolutely exhausted. The time I had, and I'm normally pretty strict with sermon prep, I'm not having because uh, people throughout the city wanting to talk. I've got calls from people around the country uh, wanting to talk. And some of them I just felt like I needed to, to take. And uh, so Wednesday comes, I'm burnt out. I still hadn't looked at into this situation with, with Brianna Taylor. And I do right before a meeting, man, and I'm just grieved. And I just, you know, uh, I'm just broken. 
And it just messed me up. It threw me off for, like, the rest of the day. And then I started getting messages from people in our city, like, okay, y'all spoke up about this. Are you going to speak up about that? Mm. And and even for, you know, within our church, like, Pastor, what are we going to do? And it's like I felt this immense pressure just mm-hmm. even yesterday. And, like, okay, i got to say something. i got to let people. And then I just felt the Lord tell me, you don't have to do anything, <laughs> you mm. know, like, to, to prove yourself to anybody. Like, yeah. this does not yeah. depend upon you. Mm. What you need to do is rest and pray and follow my lead. Mm. So that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. And I, you know, we more than likely will, I will respond in some way, but I don't want to do it because I feel like I have to mm. do it just to please people. Um, mm. I want it to come from the heart and not to just, like, put up something on social media to make it feel like I did something or yeah. um, write an email to, like, fit in or feel cool to boast about it, right? Um, yeah. I live in an audience of one. So to my minority brothers and sisters, just remind yourself, you live in an audience of one. Two, have community and people that you can talk to about it and get the stuff out and make it help you process your raw emotions and then go to the Lord I've got some psalms that I go back to and just pray through the psalms, man, and so that your emotions can be before the Lord. He can begin to shape those so that when mm-hmm. you do speak, um, you're speaking in a way that shows a righteous anger and a, a lament without, um, yeah, without without just unnecessarily cutting people. Mm. So I hear you saying there's a time kind of reminds me of Ecclesiastes 3, like there's a season yeah. for everything, everything, God makes everything beautiful and it's time. And yeah. there's a time to be still, right? There's a, yeah. a time to be contemplative, we would say in our kind of yeah. uh, network, yeah. like a time to just pause and be still before the Lord and pour out your heart and not respond. Yeah. Um, yeah. And in a sense, enter into that solitude, that furnace of transformation yeah. is now into to, to be transformed on the inside. Uh, yeah. But then I also heard you say earlier that there's there's definitely a time to be activists as well, to engage. Yes. And, you know, that's a tension that we have to live in. That's this paradox of being uh, what now one calls a contemplative activist. I love that language. Yes. Um, that's right. A, as you're encouraging people in those movements from contemplation and lament to yep. action, I guess this is my last question for you here. I could just talk all day about this, but I'm just really curious to hear how are you encouraging people to take that to make that movement from lament to action like what are some of the concrete action steps that people can take that would be helpful that would be yeah. proactive and, and not reactive yeah. and leading from the inside out like what does that out look like for you as you're kind of encouraging folks to think about some tangible yeah. next steps i think a lot of people just feel like yeah man this is terrible this is an injustice but then like yeah. what do i do you know and there's a sense of paralysis that can really creep in for people of yeah. all races and ethnicities you know Absolutely. One is just, to, of course, to, to, to pray and lament, um, like to actually pray and lament, like in private. I think some people talk about it on Facebook and they never actually pause to do that. So stop and have empathy. Two, I think, um, man, the mo- one of the most powerful things you can do is like fire off emails and create a community, a church, where when something like this happens and you don't have, they don't have to be scathing. Just let your local congressperson, your mayor, your police chief, uh, your police department know, like, we are aware of this, and we expect integrity and justice to be done, right? Mm. Um, You know, three, I think, um, I do think, like, when 
I want to see more Christians out protesting in a, a peaceful way um, mm. and, and just letting our physical presence be known. I think that's something that we all need to grow in. I need to grow in. And it's hard because at some of these protests, you don't want to be lumped in. Like you don't know the crowd. You don't want to be lumped in with maybe certain groups or people who may have different messages. So we have to think carefully about that, just as we would on a sidewalk ministry for pro-life, right? Um, but I think presence mm-hmm. is important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think presence is important. Mm-hmm. Um, I think reading and identifying one or two others in your city or in your church who may be a step uh behind you on these issues and maybe a little critical to ask them to go on a journey with you because for every ally um, in our churches that we gain and and people that we encourage to step up that that just grows so Mm -hmm. i think those are Mm -hmm. some some very practical things that we could do yeah a lot of wisdom there jamal thank you for just the fruit i know that you you've got your you know doctorate in reconciliation you've thought about this a lot but this has also been something you've lived you know and i just so appreciate your heart for the church and your heart for Christians to step into this space and to bring the loving presence of Jesus and the power of Jesus and the spirit with them. And so, man, I so appreciate you just coming in and, and sharing a little bit of your heart with us and your thoughts. Yeah. I'd love to just invite you to pray for us and pray for our church and pray for the kingdom of God uh, over the next several weeks as we continue to press in here. Um, yeah. And just love to for you to close our time here in prayer. Absolutely. Thanks for the opportunity, bro. Uh, Father, thank you so much for our time again. Thank you for Pastor Brandon, uh, an ally, a brother, um, and his elders who have done some good, deep work uh, there at Soma and Indy. I pray, Father God, that you just continue to give them wisdom and grace as they navigate through these conversations and encourage the step forward. I do pray, Father God, for um, all of our churches here in the the Midwest and the U.S., Lord, your word says, unless you build a house, those who build a labor in vain, unless you watch over a city, the watchman stays awake in vain. And, Father, it uh, is in vain for us to work towards uh, protection and reconciliation in our city if you are not the one that's leading that and that we're allowing to build it. So I pray for mm-hmm. wisdom here in Louisville as well as in Indy. Um, and then the next verse says that you give sleep to your uh, beloved. I pray that you allow us to work towards justice, to work towards mercy, um, but also, Lord, to also know that you're the one who's working and um, and to give us rest even as we work, uh, that we'll be able to do it from a heart that knows that one day you are going to make everything right um, and that you are the one who is ultimately in control. So we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.